Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. Joining me today is James the Sharp End Sharp. Hi, Rob. We were both at Wembley uh, yesterday for... Leicester City's final game of the season against Tottenham Hotspur and uh, there wasn't a lot to play for we were were expecting a bit of a drab end of season affair not a lot going on we didn't quite get that did we? No it was ridiculous Um, that was the question I I asked well afterwards I said what do you make of that ridiculous game and it was it was two sides that were just going for it at the end of the season wasn't it when Harry Kane was going for the golden boot Leicester were trying to carry on the momentum from the Arsenal game and, and end the season in style after a long run of of games without much style and I mean, it was thoroughly entertaining I mean it's disappointing that Leicester threw away what was a, a 3-1 lead to lose but as spectacles of football go it, it was it was the best game we've watched all season. Well, I imagine they, the hours they spend working on defensive shape on the training grounds, both Leicester and Tottenham, and that just went out the window, didn't it? Yeah. And certainly for Leicester in uh, 11 crazy minutes in the second half, because we saw some goals of real quality, didn't mm. we, from Leicester City? I mean, all their strikes were absolutely top-notch. I don't think you could quite say the same about Tottenham's. I mean, there was an element of massive element of luck about the own goal off yeah. Fuchs and a couple of others but um, Leicester's though I have to say they were top draw goals and Vardy's foot near post header first of all Mares his finish yep. just inside the area after it, a neat but Ian Nacho's absolutely pings it isn't he top corner and then uh, Vardy again picking out the other top corner the opposite corner that was a um, superb goal um, uh, and we'll, we'll come to Vardy late, a bit later on but that sec- both of them the header and also but that second one was just a brilliant finish not much space in the top corner to aim, aim it for but he hammered it. He just showed you what a, what a gloriously world-class striker he is. Yeah, but obviously defensively, City were all over the shop. Man, Danny Simpson wasn't fit. I spoke to him in the mix zone afterwards in Wembley, and he said like, he wasn't even fit for the Arsenal game. But they had no right backs left, so he had to play. And then he had to come off because of Hamza Chowdhury had to come on to cover for him in the second half. He gave away the first goal to Harry Kane, and really didn't look himself. But across the back line as well, they struggled, didn't they, throughout the game? There didn't seem to be much cover in front of them either as well I mean Wes Morgan every time I mean I watch the game back and every time somebody gets beyond him or gets you know there's no way he could recover um, it, it raises questions about the future of that back four oh exactly it? and I think it's something that n- needs to be addressed this summer um, let, before we get on to the transfer window because I know a lot, lot of people are going to be talking about that now let's talk about the season as a whole Okay. now that finished ninth it's the second time uh, only the second time in 18 years that they're finishing the top 10 of the Premier League but there's still that negativity around the second half of the season this season. A lot of fans are very disappointed, feel like it's an opportunity missed. How do you feel about it? I thought about this when I was on the way on the train back. We have a bit of time for reflection of what's been a really a, been feels like a long season. We're all ready for a bit of a break, and I, I just had a th- I sat and thought, what, where does this season rank if you're kind of giving it end of term grades, and probably. Probably B minus, I think. And but I think what the season will probably be remembered 
more for the frustrations at the uh, missed opportunities and the what might have been's as opposed to what has been a rare season of, of stability because they've got two two quarterfinals which you could argue they probably should have won they got into a position where they had a real chance of finishing seventh could possibly have pushed Arsenal to <coughs> for sixth at one stage but let certainly that could with their away form oh, well, yeah. um, but to let that slip away through a combination of lack, lack of form lack of confidence unrest potentially tweaks to the, to the system and just the form falling off a cliff for whatever reason I think that's what fans will look back on and remember more than the fact that Leicester were at one point in the relegation zone and brought in a new manager to try and keep got get them safe and they were safe by March which is something that fans probably at the end of last season would have thought well why can't we have a, why can't we just have a nice mid-table season for once well they've had that and some and a lot of fans aren't happy with it well, because, because because they could have got they could have done more I agree with the the fans that think it was a season of missed mm. opportunities for me and I felt that game yesterday just summed up the whole season you know Leicester City work hard to get themselves in a great position then they let it slip in the mm. uh, in the second half which is exactly what they've done in the whole campaign um, after uh, well I, I mean I thought you talk about stability but I thought Shaky was unlucky to lose his job yeah. after eight games uh, he did lose his job Puel comes in and they go on a great run up until Christmas get themselves in a great position for European football challenge uh, and then let it all just slip away in the second half and it's been very frustrating um, I mean a lot of people pointing out Puel's uh, record and uh, they only pick out the last 21 games but the previous ones before that were a bit different there you know they were winning games back to back games four on the bounce before Christmas yeah the the, the four five well it's now five wins in 20 whatever but it what you, was four wins in 19 and people look at that and point out that and forget and ignore or those four wins in a row don't count for some reason it has to be taken as, as a whole and a look at a whole but even including those four wins in a row and the great start under Puel you're right to say it's been a frustrating end to what could have been a really successful season but despite finishing ninth it seems like well it, could, it potentially could be history repeating itself for Puel yeah. he led Southampton to eighth last season and got the chop in the summer now there was a lot of speculation around the uh, newsroom yesterday at Wembley about Puel's future it ha uh, cropped up again on match of the day last night it was on the radio shows this morning as I was driving into work people still talking about Puel being on borrowed time and that Leicester City are considering making a, a change in a I mean, if they're going to do it, they're going to get on with it, haven't they? Because yeah. it's a massively important summer. I think that's that's the the key thing, and we'll, we'll come to the summer in a, in a bit. But there is a heck of a lot, regardless of managerial situation. There's a heck of a lot in the in tray with staving off um, bids for the likes of Maguire and Diddy. The low, the the ten players they've got out on loan, their futures, um, what happens to Dragovic, um, signing new players. All of this has got to happen. And that's without even considering the upheaval that a new manager would bring. So they've got to get that sorted straight away. Whether they back him or whether they think they need to make a fresh start with someone else, that decision has to be made quickly. Well, absolutely. I mean, the dust hasn't even settled on the season. Yeah. You know, and if there is going to be a change in manager, then it has to happen quickly. They have to bring in... They must have identified somebody already uh, that they would want to take on from Claude, if that is indeed the case. Um, a lot of this speculation, though, sometimes isn't really founded in 
in fact, and let's let's point out. Let's there's 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 one there's one well, two, two mate two men only who, two guys at Leicester City who will know where the football time is up at the club. And they are, and they're Vichai and Top. They're the only ones. Not even John Rudkin, I would imagine, would be told that the order will come down from high, and they'll have very little time to uh, to process it and deal with it and uh, and get on with it. And uh, and that doesn't look like that's happening right now. And uh, I don't think they'll allow it to linger into the summer. If uh, Puo is still in position by the end of this month, I think he's going to be given the start of next season. Whether that's the right decision, only time will tell. Um, I'm still very much sitting there thinking, if they're going to make a change, okay, make the change. But you know, if you're going to give him the, if, if you're going to be serious about this, give him the chance. I think. But um, I know there's a lot of fans that disagree with me. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of fans that disagree with me. I mean, we, we, I've been quite vocal on social media in and in print over the last few months in that. I speaking as speaking more as a, as a fan, I guess, than, than than a journalist. What I'm hearing, what Claude Well wants to do with the squad, talking about the long-term building of it to improve the quality of the play, and that's not to get rid of counter-attacking football. Because we've seen in the last two games that he wants to keep the counter-attack against teams where counter-attacking football works. He wants to develop the squad. He wants to develop the youth. And keep bringing you through. He wants to develop, help develop the training ground and build a club for the future. That, as a fan, is what I want to hear from the manager. Not just a short-term mentality. Somebody wants to build for sustainable success. So I've I've, all, I've been quite supportive of him and what he's trying to do, and, and, and realizing and appreciating that there is going to be some quite hefty teething problems that we've seen. Um, but then in recent weeks, we've seen. Fans turn. We've seen toxic atmospheres at the ground, and even for someone who thinks that, well, if given time, could create this, having those kind of toxic atmospheres with the fans not on side and not having the club sing off the same hymn sheet, that is hugely destructive to a club. And if that is going to continue, it, that's not good for the club. Well, that's that's exactly why I'm really yeah. wavering in some respects. I'd like him to be given the opportunity because I don't think in six months you. Uh, can truly judge him. He's, he came into a difficult situation. He hasn't had a proper transfer window yet. Um, it's gonna, and it's a hugely important one because the squad needs reshaping, rebuilding. Uh, a lot of players now um, are looking their age, and uh, I think there needs to be a f fresh impetus of of uh, new signings coming in to revitalise them. And I think only then can you really judge Pool. But on the same count, um, I think you know once the fans turn against you, once the fans aren't completely behind you. Uh, and we're, you know, we're only going on what really what we've seen in the stadiums and uh, on social media. It's very hard to win them back, and the only way to, to to win them back is a clean slate and a fresh start. And that quite often is with somebody else. So that is my major concern. I think if you get a back pool, he's got to have the hundred percent backing. I don't think he's going to get that right now. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have any issue with 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 someone. Like say someone says to me, I don't think Paul's the right man. I think he's not he's not right for the club. I think they need to start again. I'm a, I'm a, I'm fine with that with that opinion. Um, and but then the problem that you have is finding the right man to replace him because Southampton tried to do that and got the wrong man in, and look where they finished up. It's a huge risk. Mm. It, it, it's 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 weighing up the risk. Isn't it? It's weighing up the risk of do you make a clean slate now and start afresh with someone new at the start of the camp the start of the summer make them build um, what they want and then go again that's a risk to make sure you, you get someone that isn't going to take you down like 
for Southampton. The other risk is by sticking with Puel, giving him the summer, bringing in new players, and if that doesn't work, and then three months, eight weeks into the season, in, yeah. you sack him, and then you, you, you start the whole cycle again, you're bringing in a new man who's going to want his own players, not Puel's players, and then you're in another season of destruction, and you're, and you're firefighting again and rebuilding again from a position of weakness. So that's, another, that's the other risk you've got to weigh up with, whether you stick with Paul or not. And history shows as well that managers can win the fans back at Leicester City. Martin, Martin O'Neill. Yeah, he did. I mean, they, he was getting letters telling him to get out of the club, destroying our club. Which and, he kept. And he kept them. And well, uh, There was a protest, wasn't there, against the Sheffield United game. Um, there were fan protests outside the ground to get rid of, get rid of him. So there is an example of a manager having the fans turn on him, but being able to win them back. Whether Claw uh, Martin is very um, Martin is, is a very uh, charismatic um, character, and uh, I think that helped turn round his. Do you think I think a big factor then in uh, this negativity towards Paul is the way he comes across publicly? Yes, the way he comes across in press conferences and the, and the way he talks and. Um, the fact that he, English isn't obviously he hasn't mastered it completely yet. He still needs a, an interpreter just to help him out with some questions from time to time. I think that's a real big drawback for him. Yes, I do actually. Um, well, we've seen it on seen it on social media and the vocal um, supporters that aren't for him. Uh, a lot of the thing that they a lot of the things that they point out is they will uh, moan about his about his press conferences and how how he's boring and how his answers. Um, Aren't inspiring. Um, they don't. They don't see someone who is full of passion. Although we've seen on the touchline at times this season, he has been very passionate and shouts. We can hear him. Yes, yeah. stands barking but, out the orders. So he has no, got a voice. Fa- fa- fans do don't like his don't like his demeanour. Whether that's because as English fans we like that idea of that person in the troops being really Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I do think that that affects um, the perception of Puel. And I think because of how he is in his press conferences, people then transpose his personality onto his team. And they said, well, they think, well, if Puel's boring as a person, his teams will be boring. And also, obviously, the football recently has pr- played into that mm. part of the last two games. With the interpreter situation, I, I noticed this yesterday because Mauricio Pochettino has an interpreter in his press conferences. I sat, I sat into both after the game. And there were a couple of questions to Pochettino where he had to use his interpreter to understand the question. So I don't think that should be used as, um, as, be a, as a stick to beat Claudio. Claudio Ranieri's English wasn't perfect. Well, Mourinho, was Mourinho, Mourinho once mocked him. Well, yeah, you, you say this, and he was. Claudio was brilliant for us, because he always come out with something that would, would give you that headline, whether it be the RAF. Vardy and Mahrez, the the pizza line, Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, which is now still the name of our podcast, came out with brilliant things which fans latched onto. But they latched onto that positively when they were doing well. That second season under Ranieri, when he was still coming out with these crazy sound bites, but they were performing badly, the fans then hammered him for being a bumbling old fool because things were going badly and he's still coming out with nonsense. So just because a manager is charismatic in his press conferences, doesn't necessarily mean. Well, ultimately, a manager is judged by the performances of his yeah. team on the pitch. It doesn't matter what he says to cameras, and and now with the media age in, in football, it's all about the, uh, you know this 
circus that surrounds the games. Um, ultimately, it's just on that. And I think second half of the season, it's been so uninspiring. And that's yeah. where they've, the, the fans have picked out his persona yeah. and linked it to his I team. Think Claude could, I think Claude could, could do it better. As in, um, he, could, he could open up more on a few things um, in press conferences. And he, he, he does at times give relatively stock, an, relatively stock answers. Um, Nigel Pearson used to do exactly the same, by the way. It's not just because... Philip Lostein. Yeah, 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 yeah. He would talk a lot and say very little. Nigel was a master of well, doing The that. longer you talk, the less time there is for questions. So yeah. It's, it's um, so I do think Claude can improve there. Um, whether that will come with mastering the language, uh, I think there is capability of him being able to offer more, and that might help his, um, uh, how the fans view him. But... <sighs> I don't really, I don't really care what. If as a fan, as a journalist, of course I care what he says because it makes us be able to write stuff. But as a fan, I, I would, I, I don't mind what he's like in a press conference. I just care about what it's like on the pitch. And granted, it's not been great on the pitch recently. But those last two games have shown that there, that there is ability to play some good football there. Well, there's certainly areas of the the, the team that are very promising, and we saw them in the attacking sense. Uh, yesterday, obviously defensively, it needs a lot of work to be done this summer. Let's talk about the summer then. Let's um, whoever is in charge, and we expect it to be Puel. Um, some of the, the the work that has to be done this summer, one of them is going to have to be Riyad Mahrez. How do you replace Riyad Mahrez? We think that might have been the last time we see Riyad Mahrez in a Leicester shirt. We don't know for sure, but he's tried to leave the last two transfer windows. Roma's bid was rejected last summer. Man City's 50 million plus Patrick Roberts bid was rejected in January. He says he's withdrawn his transfer request, but I can't imagine his desire to leave and move to a Champions League club um, will have changed. He'll still want to go. It's whether somebody comes in and pays the money. And, and I think now, with two years left on his contract, um, City will probably be in a position where they'll probably let him go now. Yeah, that's what we expect, isn't it? We expect that to be the case. It's always been the case that if a club of the stature that Mahrez wants to go to comes in with a bid, which matches Leicester's valuation of Riyadh, Riyadh would be allowed to go. That's that's never changed. It's just teams, for whatever reason, haven't bid the money that we. Th- in the summer last summer, we thought it'd be about fifty million pounds. In January, because it was, well, the, the market had exploded. That market went crazy. Market and, just, and it was mid-season, so you you know I mean, everybody's Man, Man, more Man City had paid what fifty million pounds for a, a French centre half that never played in the Premier League before, yet. Wouldn't pay eighty million pounds for a PFA Player of the Year, Ballon d'Or, Ballon, Ballon d'Or top ten nominee, and a Premier League winner. And the, the other crazy thing about that deal is they valued Patrick Roberts at fifteen million. They only played played a couple of first team games for Man City. He'd been on loan at Celtic, and they rated that youngster at fifteen million pounds. And Mares, with all the accolades and the, all the the uh, stats behind him, backing him up, you know, similar to Coutinho, uh, rated him only rated him at fifty million. So, I think City were right to not do that deal in January. But uh, and uh, from what I understand as well, they turned around and said, "Look, you either put up eighty million and we'll do the deal, or just go away." And Man City went away. But we understand they're still in the background. Man City, mm. nothing's really stopped since um, January. Um, it does. It never does. Yeah. There's always conversations being had behind the scenes. We'll see if they come back with some with a serious offer now. And I think City will accept less than eighty million. Now. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of that was because of the market exploding, and also it was so late in the window. But yeah, I think. Leicester would would accept what they feel was a reasonable offer. I mean, as we saw, as, we, as you just said, he had a very almost identical record 
in the Premier League in terms of goals and assists and appearances to Coutinho and he was bought for 130 odd million by Barcelona of course you're only Barcelona were willing to bid that amount of money for Coutinho so that's why he went for that but Riyad is as his two a goal and two assists yesterday took him to over 10 goals and, and assists for the season he's now the only player in the Premier League to get into double figures for both goals and assists in two of the last three seasons no other player has done that yet still people accuse Leicester of wanting too much money for a player who's who play he's one of the most skillful and classy and beautiful footballers that I've ever seen play for Leicester and if it is the last time we've seen him play then what a miss he'll be for Leicester and what a great joy it has been to watch him play football for Leicester because he's done things that I never thought I'd see Leicester player do in a Leicester shirt before how do you replace him though I mean this is the thing they spent £400,000 for him they you know they they struck gold uh, in the French second division Um, now if they sell him on for for, say 60-70 million how on earth do you replace him though there's not another Mares around is there I mean would you go for Shaqiri at Stoke City no Uh, where where would you find another player that could do what he does whatever Leicester sell Mares for you would imagine they have to invest all of that into the person they they, they try to they bring in to replace him. I know people will say, I mean, Leicester have got two tricky, skillful wingers in Diabati and Gray. Neither of those are in anywhere near the, the the class of Riyad in terms of end product. We saw it yesterday with with Gray getting into some great positions when he one on one, but when that final ball matters, doesn't do it often enough. Diabati is fresh and young and. But likewise with him, he needs to take a little bit more care, doesn't he, over his final Yeah, of ball. course, they both do. Riyad, but you know, Riyad every will year, deliver. Yeah, more often than not, Riyad will deliver when it matters. And that's going to be the difficult thing, because who is there out there that Leicester can buy who's as good as Riyad, who, no disrespect to Leicester, a player of, Le- of Riyad's quality would want to join Leicester. Riyad wants to play for a bigger club because in Riyad's mind and probably in the mind of a lot of right-thinking people, Riyad is at that level. If you can try and get someone who's also at that level, why would they then want to join Leicester? Well, this is the problem that Leicester going to have, isn't it? You're attracting these players now. I mean, Attracting someone of Riyad's level. When they were Premier League champions and had Champions League football to offer, that was the time to bring in these, uh, these big marquee signings. They didn't do it. And they, and they, they didn't have it. a particularly good... Uh, transfer window as it's proven as time has proven because those lads have, are all out of the club or on their way out of the club yeah every every player that was signed one. every of those seven signings in that summer um, the likes of Zila and Hernandez and Slomani and Musa and Mendy um, and Kapuska all of them are no longer playing their football at Leicester they're either on loan somewhere or they've already been flogged or let go well, they can't that, allow that that, sh- that shows that what a disaster that summer was at this very at this point in time, when Leicester are in a, heading into a period of change, because they need to have a period of change, because a lot of those former stars are either going to move on because they've got to better clubs like Riyadh, or will need to move on because they're past their prime. They can't mess this window up. This they've got to get this. They've got this has got to be a successful window. But there's no exact science to transfer windows. No. I, I mean, I, the, the successes they've had. 
previously um, in transfer windows. You know, they, I mean, when they signed Mares, that wasn't really a gamble, was it, for that sort of money? But now we're talking about mega money here. We're talking huge amounts of money, and sometimes they just don't come off. I mean, Moose has gone back to CSKA Moscow and he's scoring goals for fun again. Slightly yeah. like he looks like the player he was before he signed Leicester City. When he came to England, he looked like some, he'd never played football at all in his life before. <laughs> on occasions, he looked like it, it was just too much for him. But he's gone back there, and, he's, and he suddenly looks like a player again. This is why they've got to be so careful now. Just because a player has got a good stats, a good record in a, in a lesser league, doesn't mean to say they can make a, a step up. And it's always going to be a gamble, um, and, and you're gambling with really big money. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting what Leicester City do as well in terms of. They traditionally they've always had a British core to this squad, haven't they? Yeah. And uh, Puel's saying he's going to build the team around Harry Maguire. But if you look at the side that's been successful over the last few years, there's that, that British core to it all. Yeah. Keeping it all, and that's fostered the team spirit. Now, Cause you probably, is you Puel going to go keep, keep with that, or is he going to go with a more continental look? I fear the latter. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and while, while you have the likes of Riyadh, and Kante, who were key members in that title-winning side. As you say, you look at that spine with Vardy and Drinkwater and Albrighton, Wes Morgan. Casper Schmeichel is a Denmark international and, and he's Danish. He's played football in England all his life. You, you, can, you can class him in that. You can class him in a British in a British court for, for sake of this argument. Or Danny Simpson. Um, English English core. I think that I think Leicester fans would probably want to see that maintained, um, and I think you'd, you'd probably argue that some of the Leicester like, people like Vardy would, would probably want that to be maintained. Um, people, the English core who are still there, would want to see that um, continue. But you're probably right. With, with Claude, will probably want. Claude knows the French market better than most people. Lano Leicester have had success in the French market before. Um, they keep dipping into the Portuguese market, and yeah. obviously with the links with Ricardo Pereira as well, uh, Porto, and we've had Silva uh, come over as well. We've had Slamani from Sporting Lisbon. So there's uh, connections there with the Portuguese. Would it concern league. you if, if, if say, Paul is given is given the summer? Would it concern you um, to see him focus? Largely on the French and Portuguese. Markets. Yes, it would absolutely would because I think you need to have players coming in who can hit the ground running. Um, it's vitally important he gets off to a good start next season because those fans, as we've discussed, that are not having him at the moment will just jump on him. Uh, he needs to bring in some players, some British-based players, some Premier League players uh, that are knocking around at the moment, and they're not going to be cheap. Uh, perhaps have a look at some of the, the sides that have gone down. See if you can uh, cherry pick any, like Joe Allen, somebody who can oh, do out, a job. Or like Alfie Molson or people uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, somebody like that who can come in and, and do like Harry Maguire did. Well, exactly. Well, Harry Maguire is the prime example of this. Played g- grounded in, in the Premier League in, in the Premier League last season. Um, are we still calling it last season or the season before? Mm-hmm. Whatever one we just had. The team, went, the team went down, but he was a player that was showing potential. And Leicester... Uh, have gone with him because he's shown that he can perform in the Premier League. So he's not, it's not really a risk for the outlay that they. I mean, I know they bought him before the, the market exploded, but he's not a risk because he's proven that he can do it. And look how look how that's been rewarded. He's been an ever present. He's he's earned an England call. He's about to go to the World Cup, and he is Leicester's first name on the team sheet and now in the defence. 
that's a more realistic, not realistic, that's a more potentially profitable or more reliable way in the transfer market to, to sign players that already have proven themselves in that division. But will Puel do that? And if he if he does, who who can he get? And probably more probably more expensive that way. Well, you're going to have to spend a lot more money buying British than you are buying continental. And that's why I think a lot of clubs look overseas because they think they can find a bargain. But you know, it's very very hard to to, to say yeah that player can make it in in the Premier League because he's doing it in the Premier in the uh, Portuguese league. It's 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 totally. I mean, if you, even if you look at Riyad, when Riyad was signed, Riyad was signed as a as a long-term option. I mean, they'd already, they'd already got Knockout there mm. who was doing the kind of things that Riyad could do, not as well as Riyad ended up doing, but they'd got someone like Knockout there, left her in the championship. Um, they were pushing for promotion, but they got a strong enough squad there to do that. They brought this lad in for £400,000 who they thought had a load of potential. If he, if, he, if he met that potential, brilliant. If not, You've not wasted too much money on it. You've got people, as I say, like Knockart there, who was already doing that. If it didn't work, it didn't work. No big loss. It's worked better than anyone could ever have expected. Leicester don't have that luxury of time anymore. Premier League teams are never, as we've seen this season, are never established in the Premier League. And if the owners want Leicester to keep pushing him to Europe, long-term players with long-term potential isn't quite what Leicester need right now, is it? They want players who can hit the ground running. Well, let's talk about uh, one player that we still expect to be at Leicester City at uh, the start of the new season. He's been integral to everything that's happened over the last few years. Talk about finding, a, unearthing a, a rough <laughs> yeah. diamond and turning him into a, the polished, complete article, and that's Jamie Vardy. He's had yeah. another phenomenal season, hasn't he? Uh, but despite all the frustrations everywhere, Vardy still delivers, and he, and he seems to be getting better as he's getting older. And... Uh, you know, going to the World Cup with England this year, if he has a great World Cup as well, he's going to be really firing, isn't he, for next season. And 20 goals, 20 Premier League goals, that's a fantastic achievement again. It's a brilliant achievement, not only because it's not, only because not many people do it in a season, but also he, he's done it consistently for Leicester, a team who, obviously the title-winning season as well, but a, a team who you wouldn't expect to have strikers that score 20 goals a season. And he's done it this season. He's hardly had a kick in that this back half of the season during the the spell of frustration where it felt like Vardy would hardly touch the ball. He went on a goal scoring run of what eight goals in ten games. And um, I, I'd look just quickly on the on the stats. He averaged about he averaged under two 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 shots a game at some point, and he's scoring twenty goals a season. That is a, that's remarkable. Um, achievement, and he, he he's shown that he's. I think he's one of the most clinical strikers in the world, because his goal numbers return is staggering. But the 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 number of chances he has to convert into those number of goals is is ludicrous. He feeds off scraps and well, and, and yeah, bangs them in. We can't remember too many you know glaring misses from Vardy over this season, can we? We can't sit there and go, oh yeah, he should have scored that one or that one. Not not very often you said that. You thought he's got a chance. Going to hit the target, and he invariably does. Yeah, uh, precisely that. Um, if you you can look, you can remember, think back to players and think. I remember, I love Nugent when he was here, but I remember that first season back in the Premier League when they were at Chelsea early on in the season. And he was played through on goal one on one, and you thought this is this is a big chance for a newly promoted team, and uh, the chance got saved, and then Leicester went on and lost. 
with Vardy, put him through, you never think he's going to miss. And even when he do, even when he has half chances that you think he shouldn't really score that, he, he rarely misses them. Like that that second goal at Tottenham. I thought he'd top. taken it too wide. I thought. Yeah, and then he did, but he puts it straight in, puts it straight in there. He's a, a left foot, right foot header. You know. He's yeah, he's a he's a marvelous, brilliant finisher, and he's still hugely underrated from people outside of Leicester because I think because of the fact. I think, is it his, his personality that he has that he's just kind of like in your face and uh, aggressive comes from non-league plays for Leicester without meaning to play Leicester down I still think that leaves him being underrated he won match of the day's goal of the season for that goal yeah against. absolutely and that's beat, off, beat off Mo Salah beat off Wayne Rooney for that goal yeah, quite Pick, rightly as well yeah, so that great select, finish yeah selected by um, Alan Shearer and Ian Wright two great strikers who can Appreciate brilliance when they see it. He, he is brilliant, and we, we think he's going to stay, don't we? Yeah, we think so. We think so. Um, hopefully, he'll be. Uh, we're expecting him to mm. be in the provisional England squad, which is named later this week. Also, the transfer window out opens earlier as well, so there'll be plenty of transfer stories in the Mercury as well. Check back on the Mercury website and our Facebook page throughout the week for all the stories on Leicester City as they head into a very busy and a very important summer. Thank you for joining us. Join us again next time.